Welcome to the book podcast. This is our fifth episode in our series, the top 10 Googled questions about the Bible. If you would like to hear the other questions that we've already covered, please hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. And you can also go to our homepage by typing into your browser, hear the bot, hear the book pod, hear the book pod. As always... We've done speaking in tongues. We've done um, Cain's wife. We've done interracial marriage. We've done mm-hmm. women as pastors. Mm-hmm. Take and a look. Now, there you go. Baptism. Baptism. What is Christian baptism? Well, let me introduce our, us to you again. I am Scott Moffat, your host. This is my grandson, Gabe Penfield, and my good friend and colleague, Gary Karwaski. And um, I hope you're ready. We're going to discuss today a question that is a serious one. What is meant by Christian baptism or just baptism? The question is, why is it important? What is the correct mode? And why should I seek baptism? So there are many different denominations out there and different traditions that concern baptism. The truth is, Someone has to be right, and someone has to be wrong about baptism. So the question is for us as the speakers on this podcast is, can we discuss this issue without any presuppositions already already dictating the way that we're going to come out in the end on this? We can try. We can try, but probably not. Yeah, I don't think it's going to help, no. Again, the topic is baptism for believers or for Christians. The Bible does give us great insight into the proper mode of baptism. The first thing I'd like to ask you guys is um, baptism is called an ordinance. What does that mean? Gary, you want to grab it? Well, it's an old-timey word. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it means a, a command, a uh, something that's re- required uh, to participate in. Um as opposed to uh, other churches which might call these sacraments, uh, there's a difference. Uh, sacraments seem to imply they, they somehow cre- make you holy in some fashion. An ordinance is just obeying a command of Scripture of a practice that, uh, um, that believers uh, should participate in. And uh, typically, uh, if you want me to get into that a little further, there's usually two with a third possibility for some churches. Uh, the one is what we're, we're going to talk about today is baptism. Uh, the second is uh, communion. And then uh, some churches, very few, uh, practice an ordinance they believe is uh, foot washing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that one. I need somebody to come do that. I'm not me. a big fan of foot washing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you come over to do it to me tonight? Is that possible? <laughs> but all churches hold to some form of baptism because it was commanded by Jesus in Correct. Matthew 28, uh, or tw- yeah, 28, 20, the Great Commission, right? Yep. Uh, and that says what, Gabe? Uh, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. So it so says go- clearly, baptizing them. Go to make disciples, and one of the things you do is baptize, baptize. them. And yep. 
teach them. So by fulfilling the Great Commission, all churches are baptizing um, people into the faith. Now, um, there are a number of different verses that speak directly to baptism. I know you wanted to bring some of those up, but let me first suggest to, to you that um, the Lord Jesus himself was baptized. Uh, remember, John came preaching, repent the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then um, to be a disciple of John, one must be baptized. Now, he baptized his adherents unto the remission of sin, which was, I believe, asking Jews to turn back and to, uh, again, obey the commands of the Old Testament to be right with God. But John's baptism was different than the baptism that Jesus commanded in the New Testament, the believer's baptism that's fleshed out for us in the book of Acts and in the epistles. For example, in well, the book I, of Acts, who do, do we find anybody being baptized there? Uh like a bunch of people yeah. at once. Well, the first one was S Stephen. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Philip. In the desert, do you remember he baptized mm -hmm. who? The Ethiopian. The Ethiopian eunuch. Yep. He's picks him up and he's telling the gospel and the Ethiop Ethiopian eunuch em embraces it. And the first thing that's done is he's baptized instantly, right? Are there any other instances of baptism? Uh, I think you were referring to um, another occasion where a lot of people were baptized, Gary? Uh, at Pentecost. Okay. Yeah. I think, I believe at Pentecost, 3,000 people. Yeah, baptized in the spirit or in water? Well, I'd have to take another look at it, but I, I believe they're probably talking about water baptism, not spirit baptism, but... Okay. Yeah. But we don't want to get into that. Now, that's another issue. Yes. What's the difference between the, those but two? But to mark the difference, Acts, are you talking about Acts 19, where you see kind yes. of the difference yeah. between John's mm -hmm. baptism? Yes. There you go. Yes. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Gabe? Yeah, a little bit. Um, these people, basically, Paul comes to them and is like, hey, have you guys been baptized? Do you have the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we've been baptized with John's baptism, but what's this Holy Spirit you talk about? And so there is a difference between the Holy Spirit's baptism and John's baptism, right? John's exactly. baptism was more of, hey, Jesus is coming or the Messiah is coming. Get ready, right? Here, here's a baptism to cleanse you and repent and to get you ready for the coming king. Mm -hmm. While the believer's baptism, the one Paul's talking about here, is more of a symbol of the Holy Spirit's baptism, right? You're saved. Now here's a baptism. Just like you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're also baptized with water. And so it's, it, there's a difference between John's and believer's baptism, and you can kind of see it in Acts 19. Mm -hmm. Let's back up a little bit. John was a Jew, just like Jesus was a Jew. So they were familiar with baptism because the Jews practiced a form of baptism. Now, they baptized people in mikvahs, which was uh, supposedly natural water coming from either uh, rainwater or from a spring or from an aqueduct from uh, something that was fed from a live stream. So they baptized in a different for a different purpose than Christians baptized. They baptized for purity's sake. Uh, mm -hmm. For example... If you've ever been to Israel and you've been to Jerusalem outside the Temple Mount, there's all sorts of mikvahs. People had to be cleansed, the uh, Pool of Siloam. They had to be uh, baptized or, or cleansed, going to a mikvah for purity to enter into the Temple Mount. That's not what we're uh, talking about here. Yeah, but there, there's a big difference there. Yes. They baptized themselves. Yes. They self-immersed themselves. Yes. 
This is why John the Baptist was so drew, drew such a crowd because he was baptizing other people. They'd never seen anything like that before. He personally baptized them. And how did he baptize them? Was it sprinkling? Was it dipping? No, it was immersion. Full All immersion. Under, yeah, on, under the, under the uh, waters of the Jordan River. Um, interestingly, when um, I went to Israel one time, I uh, sat next to a, reform, a, uh, a uh, traditional Jew. And, uh, you know, he had the black garb and all that and, uh, the, the hair coming down. And, uh, I asked him about the mikvah and, and all of that. And I said, um, could you tell me a little bit about that? And he said, yeah, you have to go all the way under the water. Even your hair has to be under the water by six inches. Otherwise you're not purified. So they had very strict rules on it and its purpose was, uh, different than what it is for believers' baptism in the Christian church. So, should the mode of, of baptism that we use, should it be sprinkling, dipping, immersion? We find all three used throughout Christendom. Um, but most of the dipping and the sprinkling are in more liberal denominations where immersion is more in the evangelical Baptist tradition, the Bible church tradition. What's the difference and what, what mode should we look at to use because it's based on scripture? Well, I mean, well, I think the, those churches that do sprinkling and, and pouring, most of those churches are baptizing infants. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. They're not adults, not, not really adults. Mm -hmm. And um, there is absolutely nowhere in scripture can you find infants being but, baptized that's but, purely a but what about act 16 <laughs> oh stop what about act 16? you and your household yes there there's no definitive yes. example of a infant being baptized in scripture so it becomes a church tradition in their case yeah. um but in most so let me emphasize that I, once before there's no case in scripture where you find a baby being baptized no clear. And if it's going to be, if it's something that God really wants us to do, wouldn't he make it clearer than Acts 16, throwing in him and his household, they were saved and baptized? Like, seriously? Right. that That's right. what you're going to base a whole entire um, ordinance on, is one barely mentioned verse? Like, no. You, it's got to be clear, and that's not clear at all. So, Gary, you're saying it comes out of tradition. Correct. Now, when did that tradition start? Oh, I'm not all that familiar with how where that tradition started. Well, it have to be with the uh, Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, S sure. S I mean, I, my guess is Constantine in 325, somewhere or around like there. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that would be my guess. Um, so yeah, had the, ch the church had been baptizing previous to infant baptism, and it had always been by immersion. By immersion. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong. The the word isn't it like baptizo? It's like it literally means immersion. It means to it, identify with, but also to immerse. That's correct. Right. So it's I don't the, the sprinkling. Our thing ranking always, Greek scholar here. Yes. <laughs> that's why I'm asking you guys. I don't. I don't. I don't. No, have that, a, that's right. That's 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 correct. Yeah. So, um, in the Bible, it's stated, or at least. Um, pictured for us baptism by immersion and then through time through the uh, catholic church and other denominations it became infant baptism but we believe based on scripture that for a baptism to be legitimate it must be an adult 
who's made the decision to be baptized, not a child who is being baptized by their parents. Would you agree with that? Well, let's be let's be perfectly clear. I've I've baptized children many times over the years, but they had already made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as their savior. That's good. And so that's that's the key. Age is not that critical as long as they understand what they've done as far as trusting in Jesus Christ. So it's the testimony first, and okay. then the we'll get into that. The baptism is a public testimony of your personal testimony. For believing in Christ. So that's and the good thing is that the message of the gospel is so simple that a child can understand it. Yes. So like, we're not against child baptism, just not. So baby. any candidate that comes to you to be baptized and asked to be baptized must be able to vocalize, verbalize that they understand the gospel. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. My practice has always been, I want a written out testimony okay. uh, from, from them of, and What's a testimony? Well, that's a good question. Um, my life prior to knowing Christ as my Savior, the, what happened as I became to know Christ as my Savior, and what has been transpired since. Uh, and typically in baptisms that I've done too, especially with, we'll say especially with adults that tend to want to talk, I let them either give their public testimony or I let them say, I asked them the question, do you trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? They can just say yes, and that's sufficient. But the point is, they have to believe first and then be baptized, mm -hmm. not be baptized in order to be in order to believe. So you don't believe in baptismal regeneration? Absolutely not. What is that, Gabe, baptismal regeneration? Baptismal re regeneration, tell me if I'm right, it means that when you're baptized, you're regenerated. So you have to be baptized to be... Saved, is that kind of along the lines? To be justified, you have to be baptized. So the thief on the cross, unfortunately, he did not go to paradise with Jesus because he was not baptized. So where do they get that kind of thinking that and that you not only have to believe, but you have to be baptized to be saved? Where does that yeah, come go, from? They go to several verses. Um, okay. You mentioned one earlier. Yeah. The, the main one I see is 1 Peter 3.21. Okay. Let me pull that up quickly. Well, First Acts 2.38 says, believe and be baptized for, for salvation is basically what it says. But in, in, uh, that was, that's where the Greek language comes in helpful. And mm -hmm. if you read it in the Greek, it's actually in the past tense. It's having believed and having been baptized uh, is the idea there. Yeah. And I guess so the, the what key is, your is context. And the key is context, right? If you take a look at just one verse out of context, you're going to get a different meaning than if you're reading the full chapter. Mm -hmm. Like we were just talking about before in John 3, um, it's talking about, what was it? Born of, it was um, born of the water and born of the spirit, mm -hmm. right? And so they take those two things, put them together. Oh, I got to be born of the water. I got to be baptized. And I've also got to be born of the spirit. I got to believe those two things together will save me. When we just talked about very simply, if you look at the context after that verse, it talks about, hey, you have a physical birth and you got a spiritual birth, right? Your physical birth happens, mm -hmm. you, you come out you come out of the womb, right? That's the first birth. That's the birth Nicodemus was confused with. How can you be born two times? And if you look at it in context, is Jesus actually clarifying, hey, there are two births, right? You're born of the water. That's the first birth, the physical birth. Then you're born of the spirit. That's the second birth. So a proper understanding of Scripture clarifies these misunderstandings. Yeah. If if you have a if you have a, a a misunderstanding of Scripture, you need to find the right answer to it that's 
that solves all the dilemmas that you have. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, in the text that you're talking about, uh, is it baptized or is it the first birth? Well, that's settled when you look at the context and see what yeah. Jesus is really literally saying. later in the verse, not even chapter later in the verse. First uh, Peter three twenty says to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built, in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism and now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So, Gary, you, you, were, you were touching on that What earlier? do you do with that, huh? Well, what saved Noah, Noah and his family? The water? No. What saved Noah and the family? The is the family of the ark. Believing in God's so it, promise. Believing God's promise. And so the ark saved them his and his family. If this is the verse that says that baptism saves you, you've got to understand that in the context of Noah and the ark that's taken him in. Later on, uh, if that's the only verse in the entire Bible that appears to say baptism saves you, while all the rest of Scripture doesn't say that, you're going to have to understand this verse in, in 1 Peter uh, a little bit of a different way. Yeah. So you can't develop a doctrine of baptism on one single verse that seems contrary to every other scripture. Yeah, Ephesians mm -hmm. 2, 8, and 9, John 3, 16, like all these other verses, Acts 16, 31, they're leaving out some pretty pivotal part. If baptism's not included in there, then the, either those verses are leaving it out or you got a wrong understanding of 1 Peter 3, 21. Well, I haven't looked verses. at that verse in a while, but I'm sure the context would make clear that it's not baptism that saves you in the sense of eternal salvation. Yeah. So, and also in that verse, if you look a little bit later, it talks about clear conscience. So right, maybe salvation's referring to being saved from a non-clear conscience, um, a guilty conscience. So there's different ways to understand it, but one way is not that baptism saves you. Okay, another question. What does a person who wants to be baptized have to do? Yeah, very clear. They have. Well, I guess the first thing is, what is the goal of baptism? Why should you be baptized? Right, and and I think the answer. Correct me if I'm wrong. The answer is, I want to first. It's your first step of obedience, serving the Lord. Your first step of obedience in discipleship. Right, it, you see this over and over again. Right, believe, and what did the Ethiopian eunuch do? He believed, and his first thing was. Where's some water? <laughs> I got to go get baptized, right? And then he was baptized. It's your first step of obedience. And so what it does is it shows others that, hey, I, I believed, right? And now I'm professing my faith to you. I'm professing my salvation to you, showing that I want to be discipled. I want to become more like Christ. And that's the goal of baptism. And so I guess your first step would be find someone to baptize you. Maybe a pastor, a friend, somebody who's in that position of authority in a church that can help you do that. Well, my point, what I was trying to, to raise by the question is, I've had a lot of mothers or parents come to me and ask me to baptize their children. The children weren't asking to be baptized, um, and they really didn't correctly understand the gospel message uh, in their hearts and minds as of yet. And so the first thing a, a person who, want, who seeks baptism must be they want to do it, they, they know the reason for it. They understand the concept. Uh, then they have to ask. And, and that, you just brought up a really great um, point, and that is 
It doesn't have to be a, ba a pastor that baptizes you. It can be anyone. And it doesn't have to be in a, in a baptismal pool at a church. It could be in a river. It could be in a swimming pool. It can be anywhere. Um, a lake. A lake. I've done a lake. Yes, but not, not a glass of water. That would be too small. Oh. That would be sprinkling. That'd be, yeah, like more like sprinkling. <laughs> That's pouring again. <laughs> Back to that. So the, the person that wants to be baptized shares that desire with others for the purpose of what? Why should I want to be baptized? What's the whole point of it? First step of obedience to Christ, yes. That's, that's a cliche, sort of. You'll hear that from pastors a lot. And it is true. Um, but it shows their desire it's, to do what? It's a testimony. To share their testimony. It's a testimony to others. To grow it's in a Christ, to, to be a witness. Um, and if, if they don't really have that desire, is it really a good thing to sort of push them into baptism or to nudge them into baptism? You understand the import of my question? I, I think yeah. a, a lot of If they churches, don't want to be baptized, don't force them to be baptized. If they're not, not even seeking it, them. it's probably yeah. not important to them. And they're, you're asking them to do something that they haven't really thought through, yep. and they really don't know, their, know the importance of it in their own spiritual lives. Now, you can train them and, and teach them and um, encourage them in, to that end. Um, but I know a lot of churches they sort of run on a numbers game. You know, how many people raised their hand or how many people were baptized? And, and that gives the church uh, some kind of uh, importance if they have large numbers. So uh, moving on, baptism is an illustration of what? Identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, so when that person goes and they are into the water and they come out of the water that's that's indicating what it's a picture of what gary the death um death going like going into the ground They're being buried going into the ground burial and, and resurrection and rising up to newness of life as a lot of people like to say correct so uh it's a it's a picture of our new birth as you were talking about gabe mm -hmm. and um it also pictures our release from the power of sin we no longer are are entrapped in the old man. We now have a new nature that's given in the new birth, and we have a new possibility of obedience and, and obeying Christ. And the first step is baptism. Colossians 2.12 says, Having been buried with him in baptism, baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So there we see the picture clearly. Baptism is a, a, a metaphor, a uh, uh, a picture of, of what we believe about Jesus Christ. Yep. Um, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so too we may walk in newness of life. So that's why when someone's baptized, it should be predicated on the fact that they know Christ as their Savior, and also that there's some kind of a desire to follow him and do the things that he commands in Scripture. Some, a lot of people call it it's a, uh, an outward expression of, uh, of an inward change. Mm -hmm. um, so when I baptize people, I always ask them to, to, to give their testimony. 
uh, tell us how you were saved and what you want to do following your baptism. You know, so the idea is justification has taken place in my life and now sanctification is going to go forward from this point in time. What's, what's the biblical order of the salvation experience? We, we typically talk about that, those different aspects of salvation, past, present, and future, mm. by using the one word salvation. But there's a, a definite order to it. And the first thing is for the believer to be justified. justified. Yes, saved. And then baptism is kind of between justification and sanctification, isn't it? It's almost like the beginning of sanctification. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you get baptized to demonstrate to those folks that you love and to those who you want to be an example to, a witness to, a baptism proclaims your belief in Jesus Christ. It's not a time to get presents or letters with money in it, right? I know that's disappointing, Gabe. Um, can but I can baptize every week at this point. <laughs> Get those presents. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I know my my uh, children were really disappointed when they heard that their their liberal church friends were going to confirmation and, and getting you know three or four hundred dollars. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> we didn't do that. That's what they you know that was the tradition. Uh, I guess I wasn't raised Catholic, so yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. How come but... we don't get any money when we're baptized? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? So uh, Gary's point was that baptism is an illustration of our identification with Christ. What does it mean to be identified with him? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 different now than what it was back during the apostles. When the apostles did it, it's it really was... Good point. It wasn't in front of just a church, right? Oh, we go to church. Oh, here's your baptismal pool. Oh, you come up. Now the church knows you're saved. Yay. That's great. But when in the Apostles' Day, it was it was in front of everybody, right? Not just believers. It was also in front of unbelievers, those that were listening to the Apostles, but maybe were dangerous, right? Maybe the whole community would come out to see this event taking place. Yeah. And, and now you would kind of get, you would kinda get um, with a broad brush blackballed. Yeah. You're a Christian now. You're a Christian. Yeah. We, we yeah. can persecute you. You might lose your job. Yeah. Your family might kick you out of the house if you're Jewish and you become a Christian. Yeah. And there are all for, sorts of consequences for it. That's and especially for, really for the Jews, point. right? It's basically you're, you're turning from the Jewish faith to now this Christian faith, which in reality is just, it's an extension of the Jewish faith. But for Jews, they don't see it that way. And now you've rebelled. You're no longer a Jew. We're going to persecute you. We're going to report you to the Romans. We're going to report you to the authorities, right? You're identifying yourself with an enemy to the Jews, to the Romans. And so now you got to live with the consequences. So it was a very public thing back in the yep. day in biblical times. A little different than now. And now it's behind closed doors in a church usually. And you invite those people to come see it that you either are family or maybe you want to have a opportunity to share with them in this but usually it's a happy occasion and like you say a lot of churches applaud when somebody's baptized um, wasn't that way in the first century oftentimes people were met with uh, scorn and, and consequences that were out of their control are there any instances that we might think of a baptism as being false according to the biblical model now i've had a lot of people ask me Do, does does my infant baptism count what were your I mean, answers the, to that? The, well, Gary, let me let me address mm -hmm. that a little yeah. bit. I lived in a small town 
and uh, for, for some time, and we had had a pretty good uh, interaction among the very various pastors. One of them uh, was a Lutheran pastor who I believed was a uh, was truly saved, um, but he would do funerals for uh, people who had died in his church, and I would hear him say, "Based on your baptism as an infant, we know that you're you have assurance of being in heaven." That's going a little bit overboard. A child baptism does not give any assurance that when you die, um, you go to heaven. Well, they usually equate child or infant baptism with the removal of original sin. Original sin, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so you get sort of a clean slate and start over um, with infant baptism. Um, Does someone's infant baptism count if they become an evangelical and express beliefs in Christ, belief in Christ? Count for what? (laughs) That's what I'm asking. Does it count for anything? (laughs) So... Uh, no, I think they need to be rebaptized, and I've done some of those. Yeah. I've had people tell me that they were being baptized for the third or fourth time. Is uh, I don't know. How, how, what do you think of that? How does that sit with you? Did it not take yeah, the first exactly. time? Yeah. Um. So, any other questions or comments? Well. One of the, what about believers who just don't get baptized? What's yeah, the other I situation? I didn't think about that. That's a really good question. I had some, um, can I say this delicately? Some big brothers and sisters in Christ who refused to get baptized, and I think the motivation was that they would have been embarrassed to for for what personal yeah. reasons from um, being baptized. And then there are the mid acts people that don't believe in oh, baptism. Yeah. The, they don't the believe hyper in dispensationalists. Yeah. So, are they saved? The answer to that is, of course, yes. Yeah, of course they they're are. saved because yeah. baptism doesn't save you. Do you think there's a consequence in their Christian life for not being baptized for whatever various reasons they're using to 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 not seek it? I think it's hard to answer. Yeah. That's really hard it's to only answer. God knows. <laughs> we may not know the answer to that. I always tried to love those people and assure them that that they were right with God and that yeah. I would baptize them in private if they wanted to, uh, yeah. if that made them feel any better. Um, yeah. You know, I, I tried to meet them halfway, but, um, yeah. By the way, with big people, I, I've had two people myself and helper mm-hmm. uh, with me to do it. Um, or I've had them just kind of come push them down, get on there, you know, kind of get, go down straight and help lift them back up. You know, there's ways to get around, um, issues. Well, usually uh, the people I've dealt with, Gary, was about they didn't want to, they would feel embarrassed doing it. Oh, you know, okay. Um, and I can understand that. You know, if it, some people don't go swimming because they, they feel uncomfortable with their, you know, you have uh, the whole thing with body, your, your view of yourself, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then I, I did have mid acts people in my church that refused to be baptized, and that eliminated them from being members of the church. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's definitely a pride issue, and there's no doubt that being dunked in a pool of water in front of a bunch of people is a humbling it experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gary, can you? Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I didn't, were you done there? I was going to ask you yes. about your experience of baptizing people. What's the What's the the most strange or best place you've ever baptized someone? Oh, I bet you know this one. Uh, I had the opportunity to baptize a woman uh, who had come to Christ, oh, maybe about 
three years prior to that, uh, on a trip to Israel. It was in the uh, Sea of Galilee. And it was fascinating because there was the wind, the wind was blowing and it was kind of choppy. Mm-hmm. And so I take her out deep enough in front of the people from our tour, from our tour, and I get her out deep enough and I baptize her. And I couldn't hold my footing. He almost lost so her is what he's trying to say. So, yeah, I did. I, I, so we, we both fell in. So we both got baptized. It was a double no, baptism. That's awesome. Pat, and I was re-baptized. Loses, uh, in, in the waters. Still we, looking for body. Yeah. <laughs> Any others you wanted to mention? No, that's that's enough. Thank you. The baptism very much. must must not taken. Like it just must not worked, right? <laughs> just fell in. Oh, one of the old ladies at a, at a church that I first pastored in Jewel told me that they um, didn't have a baptistry, and so they would take the people out to the to the river. And she said it was December, <laughs> and and no. they go out oh, and they break the ice, <laughs> and they take take oh, no. her take her little child who was like eight years old out and to the river to baptize her. And um, the pastor baptizes her and the little girl comes up to her mom. She said, he didn't put me all the way under. (laughs) And uh, the pastor says, well, bring her back and we'll do it again. And and the woman says, no, that's good enough for me. It's going to have to be good enough for God. (laughs) It's like a polar plunge at that point. (laughs) Yeah, it sounded like it. Well, baptism is a serious subject. Uh, yeah. We I got one it. more. I got one okay. more. One Go more ahead. analogy. My old pastor he used to say it's like a wedding ring, right? You get married. Your wedding ring doesn't mean you get married. You don't put on the wedding ring at now you're married. You can get married without a wedding ring. The wedding ring just signifies that hey, I was married. In the same way, baptism signifies that hey, I was saved, and it's letting others know when they see you and when they see your baptism, I'm saved, and now I'm going to let you know about it. So. That's what he always said. I always thought it was a great analogy. That's fair. Baptism is like a wedding ring. Good. What finger are you showing there that it goes on? It's like the middle finger. It's (laughs) that one. Okay. All right. Well, um, it's like I said, it's an important subject. We believe every believer should be baptized at a knowledgeable age, knowing what they're doing and seeking it and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And it's the first step of obedience. And uh, the Lord wants you to, he's commanded you to, and he will bless you for being an obedient child. Um, anything else? Otherwise, I think that covers it. Yeah. We're going to be meeting We're with good. Dr. Sikoris, Kikoris, on May 14th, I believe it is. And we're going to be discussing the book. Repentance. Right Repentance, the most misunderstood word in scripture. Really so we're looking forward to that. All All right. right. Great to see you guys. God bless. Have a great evening. Yeah. See you next time. You all too. Bye. you for listening to another episode of the book podcast if you liked what you heard and want to support us like follow subscribe on any podcasting platform on youtube on facebook instagram or twitter simply type in at hear the book pod at hear the book pod thank you see you next time